All right. Well, everyone, let's grab our Bibles. Let's turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. We're in this final section of 2 Peter now. Let's, let's get into God's Word. Uh, just a reminder of what's been going on here as we, as we finish up this letter. Uh, remember, in this final section, he, he's reminding them of really the promises of the Lord and of his coming kingdom, that, that we're supposed to remember that God promised his return and then, and then respond to that by living lives of holiness, godwardness, spotless, blameless, at peace, uh, remembering that uh, the Lord's patience is our salvation. Those are all things that he has laid out uh, so far in this section, starting in verse 14. But he also says this isn't anything new. Peter's not coming up with some new idea here. He says this is what other scriptures talked about. This is what Paul uh, has talked about uh, as well. But in the meantime, what they're dealing with is they've got these false teachers that were really the focus of chapter 2. These false teachers that are coming and twisting the word of God. And probably twisting our hope in the life to come and, and using that in some way to, to create a uh, some sort of false teaching. Well, we've got some idea. We'll look at that uh, next week or the week after. Uh, I can't remember which one it is. Uh, but you've got these, like we saw last week, you've got these undiscipled, unstable people twisting, wrenching the word of God. Uh, Peter is going to tell them to beware of these people. Uh, and here, starting in verse 17, uh, we're going to see how they're supposed to uh, respond to these people. You, what do you do when you've got people who are doing this? And really, what's going to be interesting is in these first uh, parts of verse 17, you see a good lesson on, on really what Scripture does as a whole. And so we're going to see today uh, really what we can call preventative medicine. Uh, how the word of God helps us before we ever have to deal with anything. So we're going to see that God's word can be very useful in helping us with battles before they even come. Uh, and so let's, let's begin. Uh, let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. And then let's read verses 14 through 18. And then let's look, uh, especially at verse 17. We're going to get all of about five words into that um, today, which is, I mean, we're really clipping there. All right, beginning in verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you're waiting for these, again, these new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. As he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. Uh, we come to you praying uh, that Christ would be glorified today in our worship, uh, that we would be responding as a people who've been redeemed, that we would know our obedience to this word, even our desire to be here today and to learn from the word all goes back to the work of Christ in our hearts. And so we are here today uh, worshiping, giving our lives as living sacrifices. And Father, I pray that we would heed the warnings that you lay for us in your word today and that we would use them to guide us in the battles that we're facing today that we faced before, and that we'll face tomorrow. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's, uh, let's look at verse 17. Really, what, what he's going to start out doing is, what do you deal with these, how do you deal with these false teachers? How do you deal with people who are twisting the word of God or, or anything like that? Uh, and and the, really, the first thing he's going to tell them is, is not to become like them yourselves. And, and so these unstable people don't become unstable like them. Uh, let's look at how he tells them to do that. Look at verse 17. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, knowing what he's just talked about, Either in the previous section, or really that this could be the entire book of Second Peter, uh, as it's really just a, a rehashing of the same idea, remember and respond, remember and respond. Knowing this beforehand, 
take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Now, let's let's look at uh, let's start with that beginning phrase there. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand. Peter is writing this letter. To a people who can avoid this problem because of what he's telling them. Look, he's saying, look, this is, people are, these people are twisting scripture, but since you know this, right, I'm not writing to you after you lose your stability. I'm not writing to you after you've already fallen, fallen for this. Since you know this is going to be an issue, since you know this beforehand, be aware of it before it comes. And the same is true for us. The same is true for every generation of Christian that is reading this letter that is facing people who twist scripture. Because I don't know if you know this, twisting scripture did not stop uh, once Peter wrote this letter to the churches there. Uh, It's not the only people who were like, you know, I've got a new idea. Let's try and twist this thing. Uh, And luckily, those people have died. And now no one ever twists God's word ever again. But here, here the warning of beware of those who twist the scripture is something that now prepares all of us, what? Beforehand. And that's a very important part in understanding what scripture does. Scripture prepares us before the battle. This is one of the great blessings of God's word. Scripture prepares you for the fights that are to come. Scripture prepares you for the battle that isn't even there yet. And, no, and that's what's going on. He said, notice he says, knowing this beforehand. I think normally our, our, our tactic as Christians is to run to the Bible in the midst of the battle. We run to the Bible when things get hard. We run to the Bible when we're anxious. We run to the Bible when we don't know what to do. We run to the Bible when we're fighting temptation. We run to the Bible when someone else is fighting temptation. But we normally go to Scripture in the midst of the battle. So we're struggling. Well, what verse can I quote right now? So I'll get text. You know, what? Okay, I'm really dealing with this. What passages can you encourage me with? Or, or I'm, I, I, what truths do I need to know from God's word? Because I'm, I'm going through this right now and it's really tough and I'm really battling and I need God's word now. But here we see that the Bible, for us, is not just supposed to be reactive. The Bible is supposed to be proactive in our lives. The Bible is a planting of seeds that we will one day harvest. The Bible is proactive in our battles. This is, this is again, one of the reasons that a continual reading of God's word is so important. A continual getting in of God's word. I don't care what podcasts you love. I don't care what shows you listen to. I don't care what you need to be getting in more and more of the word of God. Just daily soaking it in. Why? Because what normally happens is we always want to go to scripture when we're in a battle. So when we're struggling, we grab a Bible. When we're anxious, we grab a Bible. When there's a fight, I better get my Bible and handle this. But Bible reading is proactive. It doesn't just prepare you for the fights you know about. It prepares you for the fights to come. The Bible, so this is again why taking in God's word is so important. The Bible is preparing you for stuff you don't even know you're going to face. If you only, if you only go to the Bible when things are hard, you are cutting the legs out of one of the great blessings of scripture, which is so that you might know this beforehand. So that you might know this. There's a reason that Peter is writing this to them beforehand and not afterward. And we need to understand that there are so many texts out there that as you're reading them, you may not know why. What am I supposed to do with this text? This is one of the, another great thing about the hard texts of, of scriptures. You may not know what to do with it because you're not supposed to do anything with it yet. But you will one day. The Lord is preparing you to know something beforehand. Now, if the Lord laid out to you, Imagine if as you're reading, the Lord laid out to you every battle that you're going to face as a Christian and when this verse is going to become important, All right? Okay, so 10 years down the road, you're going to be tempted to do this. And luckily you'll have read this. I mean, one, every verse would probably be chocked full of temptations that we're going to be struggling with through the rest of our Christian life. I mean, there is an, there's just a, there is an expectant hope when you're reading God's word. 
that God, I don't know what the value of this is yet. I, I sure I don't. Will I ever deal with this? You don't know, but this is preparing you beforehand, maybe for things you don't even know about. So the Bible is always talking about how God's word is so helpful, not just for what we're in, but for where we're going. So take, for example, a verse that we love, Psalm 119, 105. What does it say? Your word is what? A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, what's that saying? That's not just here I am standing still and your lamp shines on my feet and shows me, yeah, this is a bad place to be, right? So it's not just like, oh, let me turn on a flashlight. I am standing in a den of serpents. What do you know? Uh, What is that saying? That God's word directs, uh, is, is not, God's word is not just corrective, it's directive, God's word is not just something that you go to when you're already failing in the battle. It's not something you go to when you're already in the midst of it. God's word corrects you so that you know where to go so you never face the battle to begin with. The truth is there are thousands upon thousands of battles you didn't fight because God's word kept you out of it to begin with. There are thousands of temptations. You didn't even go down that road to be this all-out war of temptation. Why? Because you knew beforehand not to go that way you knew beforehand not to do this that word that wants to slip out of your mouth when your wife said that never happens so the wives when your husbands no uh that word that you want to say right in the midst of a conversation and you don't say it why did you not say it well because the scripture has told you that's not a righteous way to speak That's not how you should talk. Now imagine if that word had come out of your mouth. And then after that whole thing happens, you then are reading your Bible and go, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, Man, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to talk like that. I better go back and say I'm sorry. Now that's a whole different ballgame, right? That's in the middle of the fight. But God's word keeps us out of so many battles so many struggles, so many wars that God in his grace has kept you from by letting you know beforehand where you should go and where you shouldn't, what you should do and what you shouldn't. God's word is, is not just corrective, it's directive. So a great, a great passage, one that we've looked at a couple times on Wednesday nights is Psalm 19, right? Psalm 19, 7 through 11. Look at what it says about this, this, this great expulsive uh, praise for God's word. And what does it say? The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You might be an idiot, right? We, we might be. And some of you went, yes. Uh, you might be. We might. And, and really, in the scope of, of creation and dealing with like, I'm supposed to be an image bearer of God. That simple. That simple is all of us. But what does scripture do? It makes wise the simple. The wise person isn't just the one who knows how to get out of the situation. The wise one is the one who knows how not to get in it to begin with. He says he makes wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. And what does verse 7 say? Or verse 11. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. God's word warns us of what's to come. God's word makes us wise and then it warns us of what to beware of. It tells us beforehand, don't go there. Don't do this. How about Psalm 119 verse 9? What does it say? How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. That word guard, that word keep, very popular word in the Old Testament. It's a word that that Peter picks up here, as we're going to see in just a second, when he says take care. This is the Greek version of that word. That word, uh, the the Hebrew word, which I I think it's samar. I don't know. Maybe it's not. uh, Is all over the Old Testament to guard or to keep. Now, what does he say? How does, how does a Christian guard their life? You guard it with the word. You don't, it doesn't just use the word to get out of trouble. 
It's the word that guards us of trouble beforehand, right? The job of a guard is not to let the bad guy in and go, oh, bad guy, right? That's not the job of a guard, and that's not the job of God's word. God's word is not just there so that you mess up and then go, whoops, I know what I'm doing right now is wrong because God's word says it's wrong. The job of God's word is to guard our lives, to keep it pure, right? Not to, not to fix the impurity, but to keep us like we've seen in Peter. How can we be spotless? How can we be blameless? How can we live lives of holiness and godliness? What's going to help us do that? Guard your life with the word. Guard it. That's how you live a blameless life. That's how you live a pure life, a spotless life. Guard it with the word of God. Again, this is another reason why Bible reading is so important. The Bible prepares you for fights you don't even know about yet. It equips you for battles that you don't even know you're going to fight. This is why it's important for you to read all of God's word. Let me encourage you. This Monday, we will start with that that new level of Bible reading challenge. We're going to read through the entire Bible together. It starts this starts tomorrow and we'll be read through your Bible by I think April or May. I mean, we'll read all the way through scripture, everything together. And it's important for us to do. It's important for us to sometimes have these Bible plans that guide us. And I don't care if you use this one. I'd love for you to because we're going to be using it. Uh, this one or if you do a chronology one or if you just start in Genesis and read through Revelation. I don't really care. But the one thing, the one great value of something like that is it forces you to read everything. Because we're tempted to read our favorite parts. We're tempted. If you don't have a plan, you're like, well, what should I read? Maybe you've got a devotional, right, that throws a, a one verse in here or there. And you grab that verse. And, oh, that's a good verse. Uh, and then that person writes about what they've struggled with before, right? That's normally what a devotional is or things that they've done. But if you're reading through the entire Bible, if you're reading everything, then the Bible is going to tell you and instruct you in things you don't even know that you're going to face. Struggles you don't even know about. It is preparing you beforehand for so many fights, for so many battles. And one of our problems is the reason that so many of us are not good at, at stopping temptation before it starts. We're, so, we're, not good at, we're good at cleaning up the mess, but we want to not get in the mess in the first place. You want, to, you want to be able to do that? Let your life be guarded by God's word. Go to God's word and it will be telling you, preparing you proactively, guiding you to keep you out of the battles before they even start. It's going to tell you about things. You're going to, you're going to read things in scripture and go, well, I'm never going to struggle with that. I'm never going to battle that. And one, you might be right. You might never deal with that, but you want to know one of the reasons you'll never deal with that? Because God's word told you not to do that. That's the reason you look at it and go, well, I would never do that. Well, why would you never do that? Because that's wrong. How do you know that's wrong? God's word says, aha. So maybe you'll never deal with it because of that, or, or maybe you'll, you'll never deal with it, not just because God's word taught you beforehand, but because God's word is teaching you now. The Bible is always planting seeds even to crops we assume we'll never need to harvest, always. So as you're reading sections and you go, when am I ever going to use this? You don't know. You don't know when you'll need it. But you can trust that if it's in God's word, it's planting a seed to protect your heart. So every section then becomes valuable. Not just the ones, and this is what we do, right? We do concordance Bible reading. So I'm struggling with something. So I go, well, I'm dealing with anxiety. Let me find a concordance. Where are the anxiety passages? And so then all we know are passages on anxiety, right? And we're not prepared for the other things because we think my battle is anxiety or my battle is, uh, you know, depression or my battle is pride or whatever. And so we, we get familiar with those passages, but scripture is full of preparing us. For, for battles we may never expect to have to deal with. They're, it's planting seeds that we may never think we're going to need to harvest. But it's always doing something. And, and that's good to remember because it'll make you, it'll give you a passion in reading everything. You know, you get to the end of Exodus and you're going, I don't know what I'm going to do with all this tabernacle stuff. 
Uh, because Look, one, you're not supposed to build a tabernacle, so I don't want anyone saying, well, if it says it. Uh, Chris, I'm building this tabernacle in my backyard, and I don't know. You may not know what to do with all that stuff, but you can be sure of this. All of it has a purpose and a reason. Uh, even if it's something like the tabernacle, teaching you, teaching you the holiness of the Lord, the glory of Christ, all those things that are found there. I mean, there are reasons and seeds hidden in every passage. And let me encourage you to search it, mine God's word, so it can teach you beforehand what you may not even know that you need to know beforehand. And so he comes to them and says, knowing this beforehand. So just, I just wanted to rejoice in the proactive nature of God's word. In the fact that God prepares us for battles before we ever have to fight them. That's really a great grace of God. That's really a great kindness to to get us ready for things before they're here. Instead of what he could do, which is let us get into the battle and then just give us instruction into how to get out of it. That would be kind as well, right? There's nothing that keeps him from doing that. Really, there's nothing that keeps him from just not telling us anything. And there's nothing that would keep him from just being like, all right, figure it out. uh, And I'll tell you if you got it right or wrong. But he and his grace prepares us before the battle ever starts. Now, if you believe that and you're thankful for that, what will you do? You'll read your Bibles. You'll be in God's word. You'll take it for the treasure that it is, much, much greater than even, as Psalm 19 said, even greater than fine gold. You'll pursue it harder than you ever pursued a paycheck. You'll pursue it with more interest than you would the security of your own home. You would see it as the security for your, for your life, for your soul. And you'd guard it. You'd guard it just as faithfully as you would guard anything else. But notice, knowing isn't the end of the battle, right? He's not just, hey, look, you know this. And so now that you know it, I'll see you later, right? What does he say? Verse 17, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, what? Take care. Right? Since you know this, the word there for take care is the word for guard or, or to keep. It's the word Paul used in First and Second Timothy when he says that pastors are to guard the deposit entrusted to them. Remember he tells it, Timothy that in First Timothy. He tells him again in Second Timothy, guard this deposit entrusted to you. Second Timothy, it's guard the good deposit entrusted to you. That's First Timothy 6.20, 2 Timothy 1.14. But here, the thing you're guarding is not the deposit of the Lord. Here, the thing you're guarding is yourself. I mean, it, 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 is, it is the word, the word there for take care is the word for guard, but guard yourself. And so they've, they've translated it, take care to get that idea. Take care of yourself, guard yourself, keep yourself. Because you know this beforehand, watch out for yourself. And that's what the word of God does by by heeding the words of scripture, by listening to what Peter has told them, they are guarding themselves. They're protecting themselves. They're keeping themselves from this danger. You and I need to be on guard in our Christian life. We need to be taking care care of where our life is headed right knowing this beforehand watch out guard yourself prepare yourself for what is coming your way that's a we need to be we need to be on the lookout for what is coming our way especially when the direction we are heading has been made clear by god's word especially when God has told us what's coming our way. Christians, we need to not just look at where we are in our Christian life. We need to look at where our life is heading. We're really good about evaluating where our life has been and good sometimes at evaluating where our life is but we're not very good at taking the warnings of God's word and projecting our sinfulness out and saying, if I, so God has told me this, if I keep on this track instead of his track, where is this heading? Where is this going? What is going to be the outcome of this? Because I can look at it now and say, well, God says to do this, but I'm just going to do this. And I mean, I know it's wrong, but, Right now, nothing bad has happened so far. So far. 
is such a scary word. We need to be guarding our lives. You know, and thinking about what, what choices have we made and where will those choices lead us? This is, this is what, when I do marital counseling or family counseling or just general spiritual counseling, when I'm dealing with stuff, I'm hardly ever dealing with a problem that has cropped up today. Very rarely does a, does a couple come in and say, we're really struggling. Well, what happened? Things have been perfect until this moment right now, right? Something was said today and we said, let's get this taken care of now, right? That, ne- that hardly ever happens. What normally happens is that something that they should have seen coming a long time ago and they did nothing about it. Or someone falls into a sin that they should have seen. So they come to me and they say, oh my goodness, look what I've done. What can I do? And I, I say, what you could have done is stopped six months ago. Because you knew it then, right? You didn't guard your life. And so this, that you never expected to be the outcome from not listening to the Lord six months ago or not listening to the Lord a year ago, or two years ago. You never expected this outcome. Why? Because you didn't guard yourself. You didn't take care. You didn't, because you knew beforehand, keep watch over your life, and this is the outcome. So you should have known. You should have known that how you're treating each other wasn't godly. And you did know. You did know. And yet here you are. You should have known that the choices you're making for your kids aren't the best. And now your kids are this age and they're doing this. And you go, why? And I go, well, look at choice A, B, C, and D. Were those those choices, were those leading them to godliness or away from it? Probably away from it. Well, then you can't be surprised when the seed comes to harvest. We need to be guarding our lives lest... We fall into the dangers that Peter talks about here. We need to be keeping a lookout on where our actions will lead us eventually. Maybe not today. Maybe things are fine today. And you are thinking about things that the Lord has convicted you of and told you about. And you you haven't been faithful. And he in his patience has not brought the consequence to bear. But you cannot look at your unfaithfulness in this area, in this area, in this area and go, well, nothing bad's happened yet. So nothing bad's ever going to happen. Look, there are consequences to your sin and it is only the grace of God that has kept your house from falling down on you right now and like Zachary like Zachary warned about do not presume upon that grace if there are things that you know God has been warning you about you need to do this and you've seen it in scripture and you've heard it from pastors and you've read it in your Bibles and over and over the same thing and you know what you go you go back you go golly I've known for a long time I needed to start doing that and you haven't or maybe it's something that you know you need to stop doing. And you see it over and over. You go, golly, I really need to deal with that. Oh, I should stop doing that. And then you haven't. You are not taking care. You are not on guard. And the war will sweep through and tear you asunder. So Peter is warning these people, take care lest this happen. You know this beforehand, but since you know it, what are you supposed to do? Guard yourself. So what has God told you about that you are not guarding yourself against? What enemy has he warned you about that you're just throwing the gates wide open and assuming, well, maybe this is going to be a peaceful thing that happens here. Maybe it will be a fiery but mostly peaceful temptation, right? But that's probably not going to be the case. Some of you are not happy with where your Christian life is. It's because you have not kept watch over yourself. The the greater problem isn't where you want to be. The greater problem is that you saw what was to come and you did nothing about it. You didn't take care. So Christian, God's word opens our eyes to the truth. It's a great blessing of his word. Proactively warns you about the truth before it gets here. What you need to change, it would be foolish of you to ignore the instruction. And now it would be even more foolish of you to keep 
ignoring the instruction. Because here's the truth. As if you are a believer and there's something that is going on in your life, something either that you know you're supposed to do and you're not doing, or something you know you're not supposed to do and you are doing. When I started talking about these things, the Holy Spirit was like, ding, 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 ding. You weren't sitting there going, man, search me and try me, Lord, and show me. You know, you weren't having to do that. You know exactly the things that God has warned you about beforehand and you have refused to do. It would be foolish to keep ignoring that warning. It would be foolish. It's foolish for a city not to prepare for a battle. It's even more foolish for a herald to cry out, the enemy is coming, and for you to continue to not listen. And the scripture tells us that. Take, for example, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Let's see how foolish it is to ignore God's warnings in scripture. Let's see how foolish it is to not take care, to not be on guard. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools, what? Despise wisdom and instruction. Some of, the, some of us need to read this verse every time we... There are a few verses we need to read. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law from Psalm 119 and this one, right? And once you open my eyes, let me not be a fool that despises wisdom and instruction. We need to reevaluate our, our lives, our choices, we need this verse to be hammering in our heads every time we read God's word. To remember what I read, I would be a fool to see it, to have God give me wisdom, to have God give me instruction, and me to not do it. If I see it in God's word and I don't listen to it, I am a fool. And none of us wants to be a fool. And God in his grace says, look, The great thing about my word, what did we see in Psalm 19? That God's word makes wise the simple. As uh, as wisdom says in Proverbs, wisdom cries out and says, Oh fool, just turn and listen to me and you'll be wise. So even if you're looking at this like, well, I haven't been listening and I haven't been guarding and I haven't been protecting. Look, do it now. Shut the gates now. If, the, if you have kept the gates open and God's warned about don't do this or start doing this and you haven't, look, do it now. Obey now. Shut the gates. Guard your life. Protect yourself. Take care now because look what happens if you don't. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. So look at this is this is why I, I look it I, I warned us that there can be times that we are struggling with something and it looks like nothing bad is ever gonna happen to this. So you know I never I've, I've just never started reading my Bible. <laughs> you know, or you know what I just I just never really got into the to the loving one another thing. That just wasn't my it wasn't my deal. Uh, or you know church attendance it's always been like take it or leave it or tithing whatever like all those things ah it'll be okay and yet it's still fine it's still fine it's still fine maybe everything's great what does the lord say he who is often reproves yet stiffens his neck will what will suddenly right the consequences and the downfall of our lives it does not always happen sort of piece by piece right the correction and the consequence is not always sort of bit by bit sometimes boom suddenly the consequences come to bear so if you've been hearing the lord tell you things if the lord look some of us god has been very patient in teaching us the same truths over and over sometimes for years and we know what we're supposed to do we know what we should be doing and we're not and it is just his gracious patience to not suddenly break us beyond healing to have that consequence come upon us in a way we never expected So guard your life. God, in his grace, is saying, you know what you need to be doing, and yet you don't do it. God, in his grace, is telling you to change or the breaking is going to come. The Bible warns us again about hearing God's voice and doing nothing. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. 
Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. I love if you hear the conviction of God and you do not listen, you are no different than the people in the wilderness. You are no different. He says, do not, if you hear God telling you, this is what you should do, you are no different than that rebellious people at Meribah. No different. And we would look at them and say, how in the world did they not listen to the Lord? It was so obvious what he was teaching them. Right, And we'll say that and we'll just be amazed at their, at their disobedience and foolishness. And God's like, you realize this is a mirror, right? You realize that. Is this James chapter 1 all over again? Because what does he say? They didn't listen. And then what happened? They said, God, where are you? God, where are you? And then they saw where I was and they saw where I was for 40 years. So think about that. You might be going, God, what's, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Where's God? He's not going to do anything. He's not going to do anything. And then you see what God is going to do. And the consequence for your rebellion might be 40 years of wilderness in your life. I tell people that all the time. They come to me and they say, look, our marriage has been dealing with this. What do we do? How can we fix it? And I say, look, you've been living this way for how many years? four, five years, you haven't fixed it. You know what? The the idea that you want to come and God fix it and fix it in a week or in one, one hour session, we're talking with a pastor, right? Fix it right now. And I said, said, look, you got to realize that God could in justice tell you, you've spent four years doing it wrong. You got to do four years doing it right before it's, before it's fixed. And all the consequences are gone and everything's fine. God would be very right in doing that. So you know what? God could also be right in saying, you've been doing this for four years. I'm going to make you take, it's going to take you 40 years till the consequences are all over. God and his justice can do that. In fact, he said, that's what happened to these people. They said, God, where are you? And he said, I showed them where they were for 40 years, 40 years of wandering. So when you hear the word of God guide you and direct you, do not harden your heart. Do not assume that nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. After all, we're Israel, right? We're Israel. Thomas Watson said uh, in, a, in a book, I think called the, the Danger of Delaying Repentance, Puritans and whatnot always had a great way of just labeling their books what they were instead of some you know, esoteric title that no one understands. Uh, so he said this, it is dangerous to postpone repentance. Because the longer any go on in sin, the harder they will find the work of repentance. Delay strengthens sin and hardens the heart and gives the devil fuller possession. A plant at first may be easily plucked up, but when it has spread its roots deep in the earth, a whole team cannot remove it. It is hard to remove sin once it has come to be rooted. Some of us, that sin that we are whether a sin of commission or a sin of omission, our sins are beginning to take root and we need to be on guard. Yet, lest the root hold fast and we get to a place like Matthew 18 where the whole church has to get involved in helping you pull the root out. The Bible warns us about what happened. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. This is what happens when we build our houses and when we're building them out of things that we shouldn't be building our life out of. The choices that we make over and over and over. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation, this is of grace, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done how you've built your life, the choices you've made, those will be exposed. When the fire comes, it becomes very clear what a house is made out of. And if you have been building your house, your home, your personal life around the choices that you're not making, right? The things that you know you need to be doing that you're not, or building your house out of the doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing, then when the fire comes, it's going to be revealed 
what you built your house out of. Jesus says in Luke 14, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has, uh, has enough to complete it. And here Jesus is talking about the cost of, of following him. But what's funny is for many of us as Christians, instead of counting the cost of serving Christ, some of us aren't even thinking about the type of tower that we're building. We're not even counting the cost. We're not even thinking about the tower that we're erecting with the choices that we're making in life. We're building something by our choices that if we looked at it, we would never say, oh, I want to build. If I looked at your life and said, what type of life do you want? You say, I want a life that glorifies the Lord. And I say, well, then what's with these choices? Who, who says what type of house you want? I want to build a house out of stone. Well, then what's with all the plywood? And that's what we do with our lives. We're like, I want to build a holy house to the Lord out of my life. And my, my wife and I, we will be a godly couple. And our children will be a, a precious arrows to the Lord. But you look at the choices that we're making. And we're not building that type of house and yet hoping for that type of outcome. We're not, forget counting the cost. We're not even to the point of counting the cost. We're not even worried about the type of tower. We're just building our lives hither and thither out of whatever we want to do. And then we step back this late in our life and we look and we go, well, how did I get here? Because not only did you not count the cost, you never looked at the tower as you were building it. You said, I want to build a house holy to the Lord. Well, take a step back and see if that's what you're building so far. See if that's what you're erecting so far. See if that's the choices that you're making. Knowing beforehand what a godly home will look like and what choices it takes to pursue that godliness. Look at your house. Is that what I'm building? If it's not, if I am not keeping guard, if I am not taking care if I'm not keeping watch, guarding my house, my soul with the choices that I'm making, then I cannot be surprised when the tower is askance. Or when the tower of, for godliness looks like a whole much more like a shack for sin than a tower for the Lord. We need to look at the choices that we are making. Where are those choices leading us? Where are your choices leading your family? So, I mean, it's so easy. Look at, look at the choices. Fathers, look at the choices you're, you're making as a father. Are, is, are you making choices? Is it, is it, are you making choices so that, do you want your son to be a father like you? I mean, if you, let's build this out. If you continue to make choices like you're making and your son who's looking at your choices goes, okay, so that's how a father makes choices. Are you, are you crafting them? Are you molding them to be a godly son, a godly father, a godly husband themselves? If you're not, then go, well, what choices am I making that I hope my child doesn't make? And quit making those choices. What things do you go, I really want my son to be like this. Well, then you be like that. Instead of hoping that your son is going to somehow stumble into being a godly man despite seeing you. Like, don't just be the foil to, to, to godliness. Like, how can I be godly? Well, I know not to do what my dad does here, and I know to do what he didn't do here. Don't be that. Mothers, what type of wife do you want your daughter to be? Model that in your own life. How committed do you want them to be to Christ? Be that committed yourself. What type of home do you want them to craft? Craft that type of home. Church member, if, if, if every church member was like you, how healthy would the church be? Would the church even be able to open if every church member was like you? Be, be the type of church member you want the church to be made out of. This is, this is one of my favorite things to people when they complain about church. They say, well, you be the type of person that you want the church to be. Be that. And normally you say, well, I don't, I mean, I got to fix this and this and this. I say, well, great. Then it seems like you're in the perfect place. You got other people that need to fix this and that and then that. You just help them fix that. They'll help you fix the other. And then what do you know? You built up holy to the Lord. Great. Perfect. Here, scripture is laying out for us the dangers, laying out for us the battles to come. Where our actions are leading us, we're either taking care, we're either guarding, 
or our lives, as Scripture warns, will soon be broken beyond repair. And that's just what the Lord tells us. So here you've got Scripture warning about these false teachers. How many other warnings in Scripture are you ignoring? These believers need to take care about this issue, knowing this beforehand. Well, what do you know beforehand that you need to guard against and you're not? Take care lest. What take care lest is sitting over your life, over your family, over your marriage. Will you do something about it or will you not? What change has the Lord laid on your heart maybe multiple times and you've done nothing about? Do not presume upon his grace. Run to his mercy and his kindness to warn you about it beforehand, before the city is overrun. So just a few things that we've seen today that we can sort of apply and remember uh, from this, and then we'll look specifically at, at what was going on in verse 17, uh, I guess, next week. Um, one, remember the proactive nature of Scripture. You know, three things to sort of take away. Remember the proactive nature of Scripture. God is kindly telling us what we could face beforehand. Uh, scripture is great because it warns us of these problems we don't even know about yet. So, so even today, start thanking God. Thank God for his word. Thank God for preparing you for the fights that you don't even know you're going to fight. And start treasuring that. If you treasure the proactive rather than just reactive nature of God's word, you'll be in God's word, not just when times are tough. You'll be in God's word all the time because it'll be preparing you for the tough times that you don't even know are coming yet. So thank God that his word is proactive, that it is preparing you even before uh, the battle. So let me encourage you. Read, read, read your scripture. Read even when you don't feel like you need to. Read even when everything is great. Uh, Read even the stuff you don't understand. Read, read, and read because you never know what God is preparing you for beforehand when you're reading. Uh, The next thing is we need to uh, guard ourselves. We need to be taking care. And and unfortunately, G.I. Joe was right in knowing is half the battle, but knowing is only half the battle. Right? It's not just about knowing what you should or shouldn't do. Guard yourself. Take the knowledge of what God has given you and be on guard. Be on guard. Know what you need to do. Take what God has given you and then react. Since you know this, do this. That's what, that's what Peter is saying. So when God shows you something in his word, whether it's a danger to protect against or a, a blessing to pursue, it would be foolish to ignore what God has told you. So don't do that. Guard yourself, protect yourself. Peter said, since you know this beforehand, before the battle, be on guard. The last thing is recognize that this conviction that we're talking about is actually a great blessing from the Lord. So the proactive nature of scripture is a blessing and so is conviction. It is a work of the spirit to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment Conviction, Christian, in your heart is a reminder that you're alive. Don't neglect it. The God of the universe, I mean, when you think about what conviction is, the God of the universe has deemed it to come and tell you what is wrong with your life. The God who made this world in his kindness is showing you, leading you personally into what the good life is. We would be fools to not listen to what he says. Because the fact that he is doing that is far more than we deserve. In fact, it's something that would have never happened if it weren't for his grace. I mean, the the white hot poker of God's conviction only works on living flesh. You can poke a dead man all day long and he won't scream. The fact that the word of God pokes you and it hurts and it stings and it is like a prod pushing you one way or pulling you another. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Don't ignore it. I mean, the, the, fact that, the fact that we're convicted by anything, we do not deserve. We deserve to blindly and dumbly just float down the river of death till our destruction. 
But God has awoken us. And those dead hearts now feel the sting of his word. And by his grace, it will prepare us for what is to come. So the next time you feel that prick of the word of God, don't ignore it. In fact, rejoice. Because hearts of stones don't feel the pricks. Rejoice and then obey. That's what we should do. If you really are, if, if we're treasuring the blessing of conviction, we'll rejoice and then we'll obey. We'll enjoy that our hearts are alive to feel the stings and then we'll listen to the words of our God. Let's pray. As we take a moment to respond to God's word, we, we do this because we know that every aspect of our Christian life ultimately rests in the goodness and kindness of the Lord. And so we run to him, right? We don't want to just in pride say, I got this. Let me do this. We know we need God's strength. We need God's strength to take care. We need God's strength, his wisdom to know beforehand. Without him, we wouldn't know beforehand. And then we need his strength to obey even after knowing. So we come to him and we cry out. We humble ourselves. We say, God, I've not been very good at this. And I want to be. I want to be. Help me to be. So, so thank God that he prepares his people beforehand. Thank God for his word that gets us ready for battles before they come. Just take a moment and thank him for that. It's a, it's a great grace. And to thank him for all the battles that he prepared you for before you ever had to fight them. Many battles that you didn't even still don't know about that, that he prepared you before they came. And then confess if there have been times that you haven't taken advantage of that word. Say, so God, thank you for the conviction, and I'm sorry that I don't always heed the conviction. Confess if there have been times that God's warned you about something and you've refused to listen, where you haven't guarded yourself, haven't protected yourself or your spouse, or your family, or, or your church, or the name of God itself. He's warned you, he's shown you, and yet you've done nothing. Just confess. And then change that. I mean, here, here it is again. The chance, do not stiffen your neck. If you've, if you've thought of something that you need to change, don't stiffen your neck yet again. And then pray that surely this isn't the time that I'm broken beyond healing. Praise the Lord for conviction and for a heart that feels it. Praise God that your heart is not cold, that it's not stony to his word. And thank him that Christ gave his life to give life to your dead heart. And then show that praise. Show that you mean that praise by listening, by obeying by guarding yourself against the things that he has warned you about beforehand.